Welcome to the Extreme Training Podcast, where we discuss unique, non-traditional delivery formats that elevate corporate training, interaction, gamification, and big moments. I'm your host, Brian Walter. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about extreme panel techniques. Yes, panels. Now, why, you ask? Because as a trainer, you frequently double as a panel facilitator. For your class or orientation, you have pulled together a group of subject matter experts or maybe even a group of managers or leaders. This is a double risk factor moment for you as a trainer because you have shifted from delivering carefully prepared curriculum to turning a chunk of your class time over to a highly talented and respected group of individuals in your organization who have not at all prepared. Nevertheless, it's your job to make something magic and relevant happen. Good times. Now, I was going to start this podcast by confidently saying the majority of panels are lame. I didn't because I would be underselling the reality. Almost all panels are lame. You know this because you've all experienced them. Many of you have organized them, and most of you have suffered from being on them. So then why do we have so many panels in training classes? Two reasons. Number one, they're the go-to format when the content developer isn't really sure what they want content-wise. Uh, let's see, this is for a sales thing. Uh, somebody could talk about, you know, from the field, uh, you know, trends or maybe multiple approaches to common issues with customers. I guess. Hey, we could do a panel. Yeah, great idea. Let's do a panel. So what's happening is insert panel, hope for content miracle. What miracle? That somehow this amazing content is just going to materialize from unprepped panelists. That's reason one. Number two, the other reason content developers often slot in panels is optimism. That's because every once in a while, a training class panel actually is amazing. And everyone talks about it. Wasn't that panel amazing? Yes, you're so right. It was amazing. All the panel's answers were amazing. And the moderator was amazing. And the questions, <laughs> how did they ever come up with those? They were amazing. This amazing panel phenomenon is as rare as a unicorn sighting. But what it does is give hope to content developers and or trainers. Maybe it will happen again. Probably not, unless you, the trainer slash facilitator, structures the panel. Now by structure, I mean using question formats. Anyone can simply ask panelists standard questions. No trainers I've ever worked with need help with that. But what most trainers do need help with is discovering different ways of asking and getting answers from panelists so that they spill in really interesting ways. And that's precisely what we're going to cover in the next few extreme training podcasts, different panel formats. Now, you do not want to do all or even most of these panel formats in the same training class. You want to understand them and why they work and then choose which one or ones are a match for your facilitation style and your training class objectives and attendee style. Fair enough? Okay, let's get to it. The first thing you need to do is structure the panel itself. I call this cast for contrast. You are after a diversity of styles and perspectives on your panel. I say cast because you're crafting a panel of characters and each character is different from the other and fulfills a different role. We start with the sage. This is a grizzled veteran at your organization or perhaps a manager that's been doing this for a long time, whatever this is. They don't just give information, they give blunt, direct insights. Think of them as a combination of Dr. Phil, Oprah, and Yoda. The next role to cast is the relator. 
they're friendly and a past peer, so attendees can relate to them because they're just like them, only more successful. They can see themselves in the relator and buy into what the relator is saying because they can envision themselves being just like them eventually. And the third role you want to cast is the wild card. This is the person your attendees look forward to hearing each of their answers. Why? Because they could say anything. It could be funny or irreverent or snarky or ingenious or any combination, but what comes out of their mouth will most likely be interesting or surprising. And your attendees know that and are anticipating that. Okay, after you've cast your panel, it's time to start asking questions. A key technique you must follow is start fast, give hope, versus opening self-sabotage. Here's why I say that. How do almost all training panels start? Okay, with an alarmingly long introduction. Just don't do that. I mean, they aren't giving a keynote speech at the United Nations. They're just subject matter experts in your class. Just say who they are, teeny bit of history, and then get on with it. Yeah. So when we say, how else do almost all training panels start? With an alarmingly complex and open-ended question, right? Do not do this. But to demonstrate, we're going to do this. We'll pretend we're facilitating a panel of sales account managers. Our first question goes to fictitious panel member, Roberta. So Roberta, what do you think is the biggest, most common, and perhaps most dangerous financially oriented mistake the majority of new account managers make during the first five years that they should definitely consider avoiding if forewarned by more experienced account managers and please provide detailed examples, chronologically arranged. Now Roberta, being the first to speak, is going to try and remember what the heck you just asked. And then she's going to go on and on and on with her answer. Why? Because you dared her to. Roberta wants to add value as quickly as possible and probably establish her dominance right away over the other panelists. When Roberta's finally done, and that's what I think, the training class attendees are worried, and rightly so, because almost all moderators feel the need for everyone on the panel to also answer the first question. So, fictitious panelist number two, Michael, same question, what do you think? And then what happens? Michael goes, I agree with Roberta, but I'd say that... And then he feels he has to match the length and specificity of what Roberta just pontificated with. And so Michael goes on and on and on until he's done. And that's what I think. But now, after asking two panelists to respond, the moderator can't ignore the third one, can they? <laughs> so Amy, what do you think? And Amy says, I'd like to echo what Roberta and Michael just said. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my gosh. Amy doesn't want to be out-answered by the previous panelists. So she drones on and on, exactly matching the length of time of each of the previous panelists until at long last, she's done. And that's what I think. Oh, this panel has gotten ugly. And we just got started. Agree and echo are words you rarely want to hear in a panel. But the real problem is that the first question, just one question, likely sucked up 15 to 20 minutes out of the 45 minutes or hour you have for the whole panel in your training class. This makes your class attendees do question math. What's question math? Total time divided by number of questions and panelists, estimated by what just happened with the first question. The attendees are collectively thinking, we're only going to get to about four questions in this whole time. How boring. I should start I should start checking Facebook. The attendees are now against you, the facilitator. They have abandoned hope 
You have self-sabotaged your panel with the opening question, but you can avoid that with the start fast give hope technique. Here's how it works. You ask a tight question and listen carefully and wait. Poised to pounce in with a follow-on why question, the nanosecond there's a pause, and then you ask for contrast. Let's demonstrate this, ready? Roberta, what's the biggest financial mistake most accounting managers make during their first one to two years? Um, I'd have to say going for the big sale too quickly instead of building a momentum in the sales call. Now, before Roberta can move on to another sentence, you pounce with a follow-up. Really, why is that? Why do they do that, Roberta? Uh, well, they're thinking commission during the sales call, and that self-focus makes the call about them instead of about the customer. Once again, you pounce by immediately using a contrast question. So, Michael, is Roberta right? And Michael will say something like, well, no, the, the biggest mistake account managers make at first is leading with features. It's like there are human PowerPoint slides with too many bullets. And finally you go, oh, Amy, Amy, who's right, Roberta or Michael, or are neither of them right? And Amy says something like, well, they're close, but the real problem is spending too much time and preparing for calls instead of just getting out there and doing the calls. And scene, we're done. How long was that whole exchange? Probably 75, 90 seconds. How many questions were asked? Like around six. We just started fast. And we gave the training class attendees hope that this panel is going to be interesting. Why? Because the panelists are already disagreeing and mixing it up. The attendees haven't even thought to do the question math. It's on. And so are you as the facilitator. You were on point, on message, and on fire. All right. This has been the Extreme Training Podcast with Brian Walter. You'll learn more about training, speaking, facilitating in extreme ways at extrememeetings.com. And in our next episode, you'll learn even more about extreme panel techniques. Thank you for listening.